different parts of Canada or perhaps different parts of the world. Uh, today will be the last Sunday of the year, and if you remember, if you notice that the theme for our for our church this 2020 is waiting on the Lord, and uh, in our many of our messages and in our special events, uh, we have talked about the virtue of patience, endurance, perseverance, and of course waiting on the Lord. We discuss its meaning, its implications, its necessities, its the outcome of not doing it, and the rewards and blessings of waiting upon the Lord. Our message today would have a broader perspective and an eschatological or end-time point of view. We wait for the Lord because He's going to return. We wait for the Lord because we shall give an account of how we live our lives and use the blessings entrusted to us while we are here on earth. As we start another year, in just a week or so, uh, let us not forget that the world as we know it will one day end, and the world will be totally changed. But most of all, the Lord Jesus will return. And in the Gospels, the Lord likens His second coming to a number of things. Like, he said that his coming would be like the coming of the flood during Noah's days when people were drinking, marrying, and giving up for marriage. And so he say, says his coming is uh, would come when people least expect him to come. And then he likened his second coming to a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. And then he likened his second coming to uh, ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come. And five of them were wise to bring additional oil, but five of them were foolish that they ran out of oil. In our text today, the Savior likens his return to servants waiting for their master to come home from a wedding party. It says in verse 36, And be like men, so he's talking to his disciples, says, Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door for him. So the, process, the purpose is to open the door for the master at once when he comes and knocks. Look at the word. They may open the door to him at once. So we wait for the Lord's coming, but when the Lord's coming has come, there will be no more waiting. While most discussions about the second coming of the Lord talk about judgment and destruction, our text amazingly speaks of unusual humility and kindness. Yes, the Lord is expecting and demanding that His servants be always ready and be ever faithful. However, our text also promises a shocking gesture from the Lord towards His faithful servants. It says in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Why? How come they will be blessed? He says, Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will serve them. Did you get that? As the Lord's followers gear themselves for service for the Lord, the Lord says that one day he will gear himself for service towards us. Isn't that shocking? I have read this 
this passage a number of times it's just lately that I came to see wow if it's not in the Bible I won't believe it it's unbelievable that the Lord will dress himself up to wait on us and to serve us it's hard to believe but there's another verse in the New Testament that speaks something like this Ephesians 2 verse 7 Paul says, so that in the coming ages, meaning in the future or in the end times, He, God, might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying that in the future, in the last days, God will show again immeasurable riches of His kindness and His grace toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, God has already done that. God has already shown immeasurable riches and kindness toward us when He sent His Son, when He gives us what we need, when He heals us, but more so when He sent His Son to die on the cross. And because of Jesus, we who were once object of divine wrath are now the focus of divine affection. Because God sent His Son, we who were once enemies of God because of sin, have come close to the Lord, we have peace with Him, and we have actually become children of God. He gives us a new heart. He puts His Spirit within us, and by the Holy Spirit, we cry to God as Abba, Father. We became God's children, and because we became God's children, we became co-heirs with Christ. But our text says, there's more. Verse 37 says that when the Lord returns, he will dress himself for service and wait on us. Up to now, I cannot process this thought, you know. But there's another text in the New Testament that comes to mind. That perhaps somehow explains this parable. 1 Corinthians 2.9, Paul says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those love him those who are called according to his purpose god having us recline at his table and serving us certainly fits fits as something that no eye has seen no ear has heard no mind was conceived because it should be the other way around we serving god and that god waiting on us god having us recline at his table and then serving us certainly counts us Another immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We do not deserve it, but He gives it. Why? <laughs> That's our God. He is a loving and gracious God who delights in blessing His people, who finds joy in showing kindness to His children. He finds pleasure in blessing His people. With all that's happened in the world, and since this will be kind of a message for the new year, I thought of talking about something wonderful but true that awaits God's people in the future. At times when we're going through tough times, when we're experiencing pain, when we're struggling, when we're going through frustration, it's easy to think that everything seems hopeless and pointless. And only after some time, when we get the right perspective, when we somehow get it all right here, then it comes down here, and then we begin to understand God's purposes 
and learn God's lesson. So, it is important to have the right perspective in life. To somehow grasp and be able to endure and absorb everything that will go on and it's happening, whether positive or negative, the right perspective. And we get the right perspective from the Word of God. It's important to have the right perspective in life. When we're going through trouble, it, it pays to know that this will not last forever, the right perspective. And perspective can work in two directions. It could go backwards, we look back, and it's called reflective. We, we look back and consider what happened in relation to subsequent events. We learn from the past. But it could also go forward. It's prospective. We look forward and act today in light of what we know will happen in the future. Because we know that God will show again His immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And we could endure. We could continue to wait on Him. We could continue to serve Him. The Lord Jesus is coming. And we will give an account about how we live our lives and how we practice our faith. But also on the positive side, when He comes, we could look forward to our redemption, our perfection, and glorification. In our text presents that as we wait for our Master, our Master also waits for us. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, I could not believe that you said this parable, implying that in the coming age when you return, you will do many things, but one of the things you would do is you will have us recline at your table and you will dress yourself up for service and then wait on us. I mean, up to now, I could not believe it, but it says in your word. It says in your word. And so hope us to believe this, that the God whom we serve is looking forward to somehow serve us. It will not be a reversal of positions, Lord, but it would be a somehow a reversal, even for a moment, Lord, of roles. The master will be the one serving his servants. Oh, what a great God you are. What a great God you are. And perhaps we could find perspective in this. That's why we are called to serve. Because our God is a servant king. We are called to be humble because our God is a humble God. We could wait for Him because He's waiting for us. Speak to us, Lord God. Something that we could bring to the new year. To give us hope and strength, fresh legs, a renewed spirit. As we live 2021, waiting on you, serving you with all our hearts, with joy. In Christ's name. First thing, we wait by being ready for service. One of the things we could learn from this parable. The Bible tells us that we often wait for God not by doing nothing or by being idle. The fact is that God has given us enough things to do to keep ourselves busy and occupied. So we wait on God by being ready for service. It says in verse 35, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning 
So you dress up, you keep a flashlight ready in order to be ready to be serve, to serve. And then he says in 30, verse 36, And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So our waiting for God is likened to servants waiting to open the door for their master when he comes. And so perhaps in the future we could say that that means we should always be prepared or ready to open the doors of our lives, open the doors of our families, open the doors of our church for the visitation of God with new anointing, with new assignment, with new instructions, with new directions. But ultimately in then, we just wait for God by being ready for service. By being ready for service. It says in our text, stay dressed for action. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, we had quite a strong earthquake in BC. It happened at night. Uh, and many were already sleeping. I was not sleeping that time. I was, I don't know, watching the late news or reading something. But it shook. I felt the, the house shake. I could not forget that night because after the shaking, Brother June called me. And it was nice of him to call me. And he asked me if I'm okay. And he told me, stay dressed, Pastor, because you never know there might be another aftershock or something shaking. And in case you need to go out, you're already dressed. So I could not forget that earthquake. And I thought about what he said. What if I ignored what he said? And there was an earthquake again, and we had to get out of the house for security purposes. Two things, there are two options. I could go out half naked because I sleep only in shorts, you know, and it was already cold at time. Or I could dress up first before I go out, risking my safety. Stay dressed for action. Be ready in your clothing. Some translations render verse 35 as, Let your loins be girded about. Now the context is this, that people or men in the Middle East, up to now, wear long flowing robes. And long flowing robes hinder movement and slows down trouble. I don't know, ladies, if you, it's hard to run when you're wearing long skirts, right? And so what men during those times, or even today in that part of the world would do if they need to run because wearing long robes, it's hard to run, it's hard to jump, it's hard to work. So what they would do is they would lift the hem of their robes above their knee and then secure it with a belt. And so tying up one's garment around the waist is a picture of constant readiness to move quickly. To add sense to this being ready for service, the Lord also says, keep your lamps burning. Or in our, tech, in our context today, keep a flashlight ready. You know, what if the master comes at night and you don't have a lamp? How can you open the door for him? So you need to be ready. It is hard, if not impossible, to work in the, in, in the dark without light. So physically and figuratively, we must have some light shining. And figuratively, we must always be filled with the light of God. The Holy Spirit always must burn in our hearts. We must have the light of Christ. We must always be in prayer and in the Word to be alert 
hear the voice of God, you and I must always be ready in the service of the Lord, even in the dark of the night or even in the dark days of our lives. This tells me, if you are not serving the Lord, or at the very least, if you're not willing and ready to serve God, you're not waiting on the Lord. That's what he said. Stay dressed, ready for action. Be ready to serve. The Lord has given us a mission, assignments, ministries, burdens, gifts, calling, and things to do for His glory as we wait for Him to change us forever and to fully satisfy us with His glory. The Lord Jesus' words in our passage makes it clear that we wait for Him by acting and living like servants. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home. So the men are servants waiting for their master to come home so that they may open the door to him. As we enter another year, it must be another year of service for God. We must be ready to serve the Lord at a moment's notice to serve him in whatever form or shape he may call us to do. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, Working together with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That means if we're not working with God, if we're not working for him, we are misusing and receiving the grace of God in vain. A new year is a grace or a gift of God. Do not receive it in vain. Therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So first, we get we wait on the Lord by being ready for service. Second, we wait on the Lord by staying awake. It is a fa sad fact that many Christians are not faithful to the calling they receive from God. Sad. It's a tragic thing that there are Christians who are neglecting the ministry they receive from the Lord. They allow the lure of worldly riches or the hurt caused by some people or the, 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 the business of their earthly lives or their, or, their, or their ambitions or simply laziness or complacency to draw them away from their God-given duties. And so many Christians are sleeping on their jobs, so to speak. Our text today is both a reminder and a warning from our master. He says, Be ye like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. So, if the servants are awake when the master comes, they are blessed. Then what about those who are sleeping 
or who abandon their post. If those servants who remain awake when their master comes are blessed, how about those servants whom their master finds sleeping on the job or abandoning their post? Well, what's the opposite of blessed? Well, blessed is happy, especially in the New Testament. So the opposite is unhappy or sad. You will be sad when the Lord finds you sleeping on your job. A new year is coming. It's another year of waiting on the Lord. And there must not be a year in our lives when we are not waiting for Him. And we wait for the Lord by staying spiritually awake, living in expectation and in readiness that He can come anytime or He can call us home anytime. How many of us are sleeping right now? How many of us have abandoned our post right now? Like servants who wait for their master to return from a wedding party, disciples should be ready for the Lord's appearing or for the Lord's calling them home. During those times, wedding feasts could last a week. And so servants don't know when the master would come. Day, night, they don't know. So until their master comes home, they must always be awake. Be wary and be careful about those things that could distract us from our focus on God. From seeking His kingdom and His righteousness first and foremost. In the parable of the sower, if you would recall, there are two things that hindered the growth and the bearing of fruit of those who receive the word of God with gladness. It says, those two things are, so some seeds fell uh, on thorns and, and weeds, you know, the seeds grow up, but because of the seeds, they wither, they did not bear fruit. And the Lord says, those are the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So these are two things. Two things, two of the things that we should be wary and careful about. As we enter another year, know that some of the things that could distract us from knowing God, from being close to Him, from serving Him, and for finding our satisfaction and joy in God, may not no, be no, no, good no. things. They might be good things. Things like our jobs, our human relationships, our careers, our dreams, our interests, our possessions. By themselves, they're not bad. By themselves, they're good. But if we allow them to make our relationship and commitment on God secondary or tertiary or not the most important, then they become bad. So the Lord offers us a reminder and a warning that He can come or take us home anytime. And like the master in the parable, the Lord does not tell us when. He says in verse 38, If He comes in the second watch or in the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. The Jews divide the night into three watches. The Romans divide the night into four watches. It doesn't matter because the servants do not know when the master would come. They must always watch all throughout 
the night, in all the watches. The same is true with us. The Lord can come next year or the, the next the year after that. Therefore, we must be ready every year. And the Lord offers a beatitude for those who heed His advice to wait on Him by staying spiritually awake. He says, Blessed or happy are those servants whom the Master finds awake when He comes. We wait for the Lord by staying spiritually awake. Knock, knock. Are you awake? Or are you sleeping? Now let's go now to this surprising move by the Master and therefore by the Lord. What is that blessed thing the Lord speaks regarding those servants whom their Master would find awake and ready? No, again, blessed means happy, especially in the New Testament. So what is that reward which will make the servants who faithfully waited for their master happy? Imagine your boss approaching you one morning and said, Hey, I want to make you coffee. Straight up black or double-double? He makes you coffee. He serves you coffee with cookies. Imagine that. You would scratch your head, what's with my boss? Or picture our prime minister who comes to our house and puts an apron and sets the table and then serves us while we eat. Or try a king who visits the house of his poor subject and cooks dinner for him. Now try this, <laughs> what the parable says. Try to see God serving you and waiting on you. Mind-blowing. Shocking. But that is what our passage says. In verse 37. It says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Why? Truly I say to you, he, the master, the Lord, will dress himself for service and have them recline. That means the servants recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Oh, Reversal of roles. The master is going to serve servants. Not reversal of position, serve reversal of roles for that time being. I don't know how long that would happen. I don't know how many times that would happen. But the fact that it would happen even once, it's mind-blowing. Why? Because the Lord, He is our master. He is our king. He is our teacher. We are His servants. We are His subjects. We are His students or disciples. And the Lord says, no student is greater than his master. No, no student is greater than his teacher. No servant is greater than his master. No subject is greater than his king. And as servants, we follow the Lord. We serve him. We do his every bidding. But the shocking twist of the parable that the Lord says is that when the master returns and he finds his servants ready and awake and waiting for him, he will gird his loins and prepare himself to serve his servants, have them seat at the table and serve them. The imagery speaks of a master absolutely pleased with his faithful servants that he could not do anything but return the favor to them. And by telling this parable, the Lord Jesus is saying, here it goes. 
that He will do this to us one day. Because we faithfully waited on Him, one day He will wait on us. And the shocking implication is, because we are serving Him with all our heart, one day He will serve us. Well, come to think of it, didn't He do that one time when He was on earth? Didn't He do that? You know, uh, when He was here during the Last Supper, what did He do? He washed the feet of His disciples. And instituting the Last Supper, He was the one who served the bread and served the wine. And didn't He say, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. So He did it in the first coming. That I could understand. Because He came in humility. He came in simplicity. He came to be our Savior. He came to give His life. He left His glory. He humbled Himself and He came to serve. But the context of our parable tells us that the Lord is doing this again when He returns. If you go to verse 40, you see the context. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming on an hour you do not expect. So the Lord is speaking that He's going to serve us when He returns. Again, I could, I could somehow process it when He did it the first time because He came the first time in humility. But the second coming, He will not come in humility. He will come in power and glory. The first time He came to save us by dying for us, but when He comes again, He will come to judge and rule the world. And yet one of the things that He's going to do, it seems, when He returns, is He would gird up His loins, have us recline at His table, and He's going to wait on us. Why? What for? He doesn't need to. We are just His servants doing what we're being told. Perhaps this is one of the things that Paul meant in Ephesians 2.7 when he says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God has already shown that during Jesus' first coming, but he's, he's not satisfied. He wants to do it again in the coming ages. Is going to show again an immeasurable riches of His grace, of kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Up to now, I cannot process it. Servants of the Lord, one day when He returns, I don't know how many times, I don't know for how long, but according to this parable, one day, your Lord is going to serve you again. Amazing. Shocking. Because you waited on the Lord, the Lord will wait on you one day. Again, this may be one of the things that 1 Corinthians 2.9 says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. It's saying that the Lord has an amazing array of surprises for those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. Perhaps this is one of His surprises. And you could take it to the bank. And certainly you could take it in the coming. But wait, actually, this is not the first time. This is not only in the New Testament. If you read the Bible closely, you will discover that this amazing character of our God 
did not start in the New Testament. Here are two verses from the Old Testament that speaks of God's immeasurable riches of His grace toward His people. He's being servant-hearted. He's being humble. And He's being excited in doing good to those whom He loves. First verse, Jeremiah 32, verse 4. Imagine this is Old Testament. Jeremiah 32, verse 41, the Lord says, I will rejoice in doing them good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. That's God speaking. Did you get the picture? God is singing and dancing and all excited because he's going to do good to his children. He's not reluctant. He's not half-hearted. He's not hesitant. It is his happiness to work for the good of his children. I'm sorry to say that minsan, pag naglingkod tayo kay Lord, nakasimangat eh. How many times I see my face and sometimes I see your faces when you come to church to serve God? Nakasimangat. You are, what's English of simangat? Is that? You're frowning. But Jeremiah 32, 41, God says, I will rejoice in doing good to my children, in planting them in this land of faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. Wow. That's your God, Christians. But there's more. Second verse in the Old Testament is found in Sephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Again, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst. Now we know that. Praise God. He is omnipresent. And sometimes He allows our senses to perceive His presence. A mighty one who will save. We know that. He's a Savior. But hear this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Did you get the picture? As we yearn and struggle to rejoice in the Lord because we live in this sinful world, the Lord is rejoicing over us with gladness because He's rejoicing that He has us. Though we are His children, He says, He will rejoice over you with gladness. And like a father to his child, He will quiet our hurts and sadness. It's like what sometimes daddy, when, when their children, Daddy, daddy, owie, owie. And what would the father do? They will blow the owie and kiss it. This is the picture that comes to my mind. He says, He will quiet you. Shh, it's okay. He will quiet you by His love. And there's more. It says, he will exalt over you with loud singing. As we sing songs to God in worship, the verses that God one day will sing to us not silently, but loudly. I don't know. The verses God also sings. What would it be like to hear God sing? And what would it be like to hear God sing to us? Here on earth, we're singing to Him. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory to the Lamb. But it says in Zephaniah, He will exalt over you with loud singing. We have an amazing God, Christians. There's absolutely no one like Him. You know, He never gets tired of showing goodness to us. 
And sometimes, you know, like what happened in Genesis 6, but his nature is he never relinquishes or never gets tired of his role of being our eternal benefactor, provider, savior, healer, dad. For us, he's ever dependent never gets tired. He never, he gets hurt by our sin and stubbornness, but in doing good to his people, he likes it. He enjoys it. Hallelujah. As we start another year, we are nearer to the time when God will show again the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So continue to wait on Him, new hope and friends. As we wait for Him, He also waits on us. This coming year, continue to faithfully serve Him. And as we do, we'll discover that He also, somehow, I still cannot wrap my brain around it, wants to serve us. But somebody said that service or is the dance of love. We serve the one we love, you know? Boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, when you are in love, you don't mind serving the person you love. You are, you sometimes you don't know what to do to please the one you love. We serve the Lord because we love Him. And we love Him because He first loved us. And because He loves us, I don't know. He also wants to serve us. And then Ephesians 2.7 says, one day it's going to happen. We will never be the master because He is the master. We are always servants. But God in His grace, in His amazing character, would stoop down again and serve and wait upon His children because that's who He is. Is a wonderful, wonderful God. Take that off into the new year. Because that is true. That is true. Let's pray. Lord, as many people say that 2020 is a bad year, Perhaps many of us agree with all the challenges and calamities and this pandemic that happened. 2020 is a year that we would like to forget. But the thing is, even in 2020, you were with us. You provided for our needs. You protected us. You guided us. You move our lives to do your will. You have been there. Sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes we struggle to feel your presence. But you've always been there. Because you never get tired of being our good, good father and our good, good savior. Our good, good benefactor. And you're saying that one day when you return, or maybe when we see you again, we don't know, Lord, but there seems to be going to be a party in heaven one day. And one of the things that you will do is you will 
gear up yourself or geared up your loins, serve us while we recline at your table, and then wait on us. I don't know, Lord, if I'm there, I would say, no, Lord, you sit down. I'll serve you. And I remember Peter, when you were about to wash his feet, says, no, Lord, you're not going, you're not going to wash my feet. But then you said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Oh, it's our, our brains, my brain sometimes could not wrap its arms around this truth. But that's who you are. And so as we face another year, we don't know what will happen. But we know that you enjoy blessing and doing good to your children. Help us to cling on that truth because that is the truth. May we continue to wait upon you even as we end this theme of waiting upon you for 2020. May we continue to wait upon you by being ready for service for 2021, by staying spiritually awake and looking forward when our God and Savior will show again the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We worship you, glorify you, we adore you, we thank you, and we wait upon you, O Lord, our God, in Christ's name.